Hello and welcome to the Harvest Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We are honored that you would click on this and listen to God's Word preached by one of our elders. At the same time, we strongly affirm the biblical mandate for Christians to be a faithfully active and in-person part of their local church. This sermon cannot and will not replace what a local church can provide to the life of a Christian. That being said, we hope that this sermon challenges and encourages you in your faith and that it builds upon the faithful ministry of your local church. We hope that you enjoy. God bless. And that's a question I've had to really, really ponder over the past month or so is do I really trust Jesus with my life? Do I trust him with my marriage? Do I trust him with my children? Do I trust him in every aspect of my life? To be honest with you, I don't perfectly trust him. But what's beautiful about this passage and what we'll see here in just a few short moments is that we have a heavenly father who pursues us in the midst of our untrustful hearts. And he comes after us and he gives us the ability to trust him. And in that trust, we see the blessings of God, and we see that we can have a vibrant relationship with him. So with that being said, I'm I'm just going to read this. So John chapter 4, I'm going to start actually with verse 46, and we're going to walk through verse 54, but let's see what it says real quick together. It says this, it says, So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went, up to, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, And went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that 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 was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Now, you guys have been traveling through the Gospel of John, and I'm sure you've picked up on this theme of John presenting Jesus as not only the son of David, the king of the Jews, but John goes a little bit higher than that. John says, no, this is the son of God. And he's not just a king over, over, over a particular region or over a particular people, but he is the king of all things because he is the creator of all things. And what you see is this progression. Jesus has revealed himself to the Jews at the, at the wedding when he turned the water into wine. He, he went to the, the woman of Samaria, and so he's going, he's going out a little bit further and saying, I'm king over the Jews, I'm king over the Samarians, and now today... We see this ruler, this official son. And what, he's, what is he doing here? John is showing us is that this Jesus is not only for the Jews or the Samaritans, but he is for all people. And this progression of 
people that can trust in Jesus. This ability to trust in him is for all people. As we transition to an illustration to help us understand this, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite movies growing up was the series of Indiana Jones. Absolutely loved that as a young man, pretending like I was Indiana Jones because I know I would never uh, accomplish to be him. But there's one particular movie that really stands out to me, and it's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And toward the end of that movie, if you remember, they're at the cusp of, going, of, of getting the Holy Grail, this, this, this cup that can give you eternal life, or at least that's what it promised. But they had to go through some obstacles to get to this cup. And so there's this one particular obstacle where there's a chasm, and you can't see the bottom of it, but you have to cross this chasm. And Indiana Jones begins to remember some of the clues of how to get over this chasm. And he says this interesting statement. He says that you must learn to walk by faith. And if you remember the scene, he closes his eyes, he puts his foot out, and he drops down. And you're thinking he's going to fall into this chasm. But to our surprise, he ends up standing on this invisible bridge. And as he begins to walk, this invisible bridge becomes more and more visible, and he easily walks to the other side of the chasm. And this is an illustration of what this passage is pointing us to. And the the point is this, is that we have been called to trust in Jesus. And as we trust in him, he begins to reveal more and more of himself to us. And that's what you see in this official The amazing promise, though, that we have in God's word, and I know I'm kind of hopping around here just a little bit, but in Jeremiah chapter 29, not verse 11, but verse 13, it says this. I love this. It says, you will seek me and find me, and notice the condition here, when you seek me with all your heart. This journey of trust really comes down to seeking after Christ and trusting that he will reveal himself to you that he will be there for you, that he is all that he says he is and more. Do we trust Jesus to be that individual? Especially even during this Christmas season, do we trust that when Jesus came as a, a babe in the town of Bethlehem, can we trust that he will grow into the man that he promised he would and die for the sins of the world and give us hope? Can we trust that? Let's, let's begin this journey. Our main point this morning is this, as I begin to think about this, learning to trust requires that you investigate Jesus. You investigate him. And so we begin to see that during this time in John chapter 4, there were tons of people who were investigating Jesus. They were beginning to see what he was doing in and among the communities, and they were seeing his character on display, the activities that he did all the things that he was doing for the people. And one in particular individual that was investigating Jesus was this official. He heard about the miracles of Christ. He heard about the authority in his teaching. He heard about this amazing Jesus. He saw the signs and wonders. But even more so, this official began to see what the theme of the gospel of John's all about. And you guys probably already know this, but in John chapter 20, Verse 31, we see the theme of the Gospel of John. It says this, it says, But these are written, the Gospel of John is written, that you may believe, believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the promised one. 
the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And what we're going to see in this official is this, is that he saw the signs and wonders, but he was able to see the purpose of the signs and wonders, and that was to see Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And this official did what? He trusted in that. He began to see Jesus for who he truly was, and he did anything and everything he could to get to this Jesus. You see, many of us today, including myself, we have a hard time trusting Jesus. And I believe one of the reasons why we have a hard time trusting Jesus is because we haven't taken the time to investigate him. We haven't taken the time to explore him in his word. We haven't taken the time to see him for who he truly is. And rather, we've allowed the opinions of others to dictate to us who Jesus is. And in those moments, guess what? It's very easy not to trust him. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take this journey. We're going to see, again, how Jesus meets us in our place of distrust and gives us the ability to trust so the first step in trusting Jesus, we see it in verses 46 and 47. I entitled this, An Intrigued Faith. An intrigued faith, in other words, is having a curiosity about Jesus, having an interest about Jesus, having even a fascination about Jesus. Maybe you can remember the first time you heard about Christ. I know I can I can remember when I was a young man who had moved out of his family's home as a junior in high school, was living with friends, and, and I finally moved in with some family, and they were a part of a local church, and, and I began to experience Jesus in his word, but also through the actions of his people, and so I began to be intrigued by this Jesus, because he had something that I didn't have. And notice what it says in verses 46 and 47. It says, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee. This is Jesus, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Why did this man go to Jesus? Well, it goes back to our point, because this man was intrigued. He, he, had, he had heard about Jesus. He had seen Jesus. He, he had, was fascinated by the possibility of what Jesus could do for him and his family. And so he goes after Jesus. And so there are four reasons why this man was intrigued about Jesus. And maybe you can begin to see yourself in this man. Number one, this man was desperate. He was desperate. Think about it. This man's son was at the point of death. Think about someone that you love, that you care about. And if they were at the point of death and you had no other options and you had no other resources, but there was this man named Jesus who you knew was performing miracles, you know what you're going to do. You're going after that man. And out of desperation, I'm going to go after the one thing that I believe can make a difference. And you and I both know sometimes it takes a desperate need in our lives for us to get to a place to where we're intrigued by Jesus. Again, as I think about my time right before I met Christ, I know I was in a time of desperation. My mother and father were not in my life anymore. I didn't have a solid foundation of people I could lean on. 
I was wondering where I would spend the next night. And so there was a desperation in my heart. And I said, look, I need some type of solid foundation I can go to, some individual that can give me hope and identity. And Jesus began to reveal himself. So think about this. Think about your life. Maybe an accident led you to think about Christ or to be intrigued by him. Maybe an illness or a disease or suffering or death or loss, something intrigued you to say, I need Jesus. <laughs> and maybe it was even selfish in the beginning, but God used that to bring you to a place of being like, I'm intrigued by this, this man. Not only do we see that this man was desperate, but he was willing to listen. He was willing to listen. That's a miracle. <laughs> Again, most of us aren't willing to listen. This man did not just passively listen to Jesus. He didn't have selective hearing. But he intently listened to every single word of Christ. I want to go after him. He did not, again, he did not turn a deaf ear to Jesus. He did not think of himself as too important to hear from Jesus. He did not consider Jesus' words to be foolish. Why? Because he knew of Jesus. He knew his reputation. You see, sometimes life has to slow us down to a place to where we're willing to do the most important thing in the world, and that's listen. Listen. I can't, I can't help but to think about Mary and Martha. And now so often, I know myself, I am a Martha. I get busy. I get, I get consumed with the things that, are, that we have or the responsibilities that we have, and I forget about the most important thing, which is to sit and listen to Jesus and what he has for us. And not only do we see that there's desperation, that he's willing to listen, but he's willing to go to Jesus. He's willing to go to him. See, at this point, Jesus seemed to be the only one that could help his son. And notice the links, the links that, that this father is, go, is willing to go to meet Jesus for the sake of his son. He leaves his son, by the way, who could die at any moment. I don't know about you, but if I'm at a deathbed and I'm looking at someone who's about to die the last thing I want to do is do what I want to, I don't want to leave I don't want to miss that moment but because this man was desperate enough he left his son which was a day's journey away and he goes to Jesus because he has trust in him and this begs the question are we willing to go after Jesus are we willing to drop everything that we have and to say, I'm going after you? As Jeremiah 29, 13 has reminded us, are we willing to forsake all things and pursue Christ and trust that he will reveal himself to us? Lastly, we see that he was even willing to beg Jesus for help. He doesn't ask Jesus one time to help his son, but he asks him multiple times. He doesn't give up. He keeps asking over and over and over again, I need help. Again, the point is some of us have, gotten, have not gotten desperate enough for us to be intrigued by what Jesus has offered us. I, I hope that you are beginning or I hope you've had the experience of being intrigued by him and being able to be desperate for him. Number two, as we look at verses 48 through 49, not only do we see that there's an intrigued faith and this is part of this trust journey that you and I go on, but also we see that there is an incessant faith. Incessant meaning continuing without pause or interruption. There's nothing that can slow you down. And that's what incessant faith means. Notice what happens in verses 48 and 49. 
It says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. What is Jesus doing here? He's trying to almost push this man away. Like, you're looking for signs and wonders. I want to give you an excuse to go back and do something else. But notice the response of this man. The royal official said, sir... I know what you're saying. I know that people are confused with your signs and wonders. But I'm asking you, calm down before my child dies. Again, he is incessant in his faith. He doesn't give up. So what is incessant faith? Incessant faith reveals two things. Number one, if your faith is genuine. We all know there's a big discussion. I'm not going to go fully into this. But the idea of genuine faith. Again, I think we can all agree that not everybody who confesses Christ knows Christ. <laughs> Again, over time, we begin to see the fruit in someone's life, and we begin to see those who persevere and those who do not persevere. And again, perseverance is evidence that someone's faith is genuine. And right here, we see that Jesus had to assure that the official was placing faith in Jesus and his word rather than in signs and wonders. And maybe you've gone through that process where maybe at the beginning of your faith journey, you were going after Christ for all these different reasons. But over time, Jesus has revealed to you that ultimately the reason why you're a Christian is not because of all those other things, but it's because of Jesus himself, that he is worthy. And so, yes, the healing of this man's son, which we'll see later, it's very important But it is a secondary issue to what Jesus is going to do for this man's family. And that is to heal them from their sin. That is to give them life and give them forgiveness of their sins. And so to place genuine faith in Jesus is to trust that what Jesus wants to offer you in salvation takes priority over the immediate or physical help he can offer you today. So not only do we see that incessant faith uh, reveals genuine faith, but also... It begins to reveal if you are desperate for God alone. Again, are we worshiping God and are we going after him? Are we giving him all that we are because he is worthy? Are we recognizing that Jesus is the one who meets all of our needs? That we're recognizing that he is the one that makes us whole. You see, if the official ceases to ask Jesus for help, he shows that he does not believe God will answer. And see, how many of us have missed out on God's activity in our lives simply because we were not desperate or persistent enough in prayer? Think about Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow. You guys know this parable. The parable goes like this. The persistent widow is, she has an issue, an issue issue of justice in her life. And so she goes to this judge, this evil judge, and she tells him time and time again, I'm seeking justice. And this evil judge finally gives her an audience and gives her justice, not because he's good, but because he's just tired of hearing her and tired of her coming and and getting on his nerves. And Jesus says, but but the amazing reality is this, is that God is a good judge and that you can come to him anytime and he will answer your prayers, that he alone is the one who can do that for you. And so be incessant in your pursuit of Jesus, Jesus' presence in your life and in your circumstances. Number three, in verse 50, we see that there is an invested faith. And invested meaning, 
to devote one's time and effort and energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation that it will return to you. So in other words, an invested faith is one that is trusting. It's one that is obedient. It's one that has working faith. It, it looks like it trusts some, something. Notice verse 50. It says, Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Notice what he did. He obeyed. He acted. He didn't just say, I trust you, but I'm showing that I trust you. And so because, of, because the official trusted in Jesus' words, which were, you may go, your son will live, the official had an instantaneous faith in action. In other words, he believed and then he immediately obeyed. He obeyed. Notice three things the official believed that led him to immediate, immediate obedience. Number one, this official believed that Jesus had love for him and his family. He trusted that. How many people don't trust that Jesus actually loves them? How about this, that he believed that Jesus would have compassion on him and his son and his family. How many people don't believe that Jesus will have compassion on them? He believed that Jesus had concern for him and his family. I, I mean, imagine how that would transform your relationship with Jesus if you began to actually trust that he loved you, he had compassion on you, and he has concern for you. That changes everything. Not only did he believe this, but he believed that Jesus had all knowledge. He believed that Jesus, when Jesus said that your son is healed, that he, Jesus was actually telling the truth, that he actually knew what he was talking about. And then thirdly, he believed that Jesus had all power. <laughs> he believed that Jesus could heal his son from miles away and that when he came there the next day that his son would be healed. He believed all these things. And listen to this, there is no such thing as trust if there are no actions or obedience flowing from it. Uh, again, go back to the illustration of Indiana Jones. Well, what if Indiana Jones in that movie, what if he says, he sees this chasm and he says, I believe there's a bridge. And then he turns around and he walks the other way. Indiana, you don't believe there's a bridge. Why? Because you're walking the other way. Again, this man shows that he believes in Jesus. Why? Because he departs and he goes back home. Don't miss that. He literally does the actions to show, hey, I trust this Jesus and I will live according to him. It's beautiful. You see, most of us talk about how we trust Jesus, but very little of us like to show how we trust in Jesus. You know, trusting in Jesus is being willing to make sacrifices that don't make any sense. <laughs> Trusting in Jesus means to go in an area where like, I don't want to go. <laughs> but Jesus, this is where you're calling me to go, so I'm going to do it. That's trusting Jesus. Uh, trusting Jesus looks like having a child who's not following Christ, but praying and continuing to pray and say, God, would you work in this child's life? Trusting Jesus is when your marriage is falling apart and you're praying, God, help this marriage. I don't know how we're going to get through. Do I trust you with this? Again, we must walk the talk. The, the fourth step is this. And I love this about God. Remember, we're going on this trust walk with him. And God is always blessing us as we get closer to him. Notice what happens in verses 51 through 53. Because this man is 
again, clinging to the promise of Jeremiah 29, 29, 13, God begins to bless him. And right here, I call this the, an, an invigorated faith. An invigorated faith just literally means this. It means to give strength to, to give energy to. Notice this man is continuing to trust Jesus. And we see in verses 51 through 53 that he's invigorated. Notice what it says. It says, while he was still in the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time in which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. There are two ways here that this man's faith and his trust in Jesus was invigorated, that was given strength and energy. Number one, he heard some good news. How many of you love to hear some good news? I love to hear some good news. When I hear good news, especially when God's involved in it, it reminds me that my God is worth trusting in. <laughs> He's worthy of that trust. He's worthy to go after. He's worthy of the sacrifice. You see, his servants come to him and they delivered him news that he wanted to hear. Your son is better. Your son was almost dead yesterday, but now he's alive and he's walking around. So again, isn't it great to hear good news that invigorates our trust? For example, you passed the test. You got good results from the doctor. You got the call that you got the job. You, she said yes to the marriage proposal. So many examples of how God can answer these requests, these areas of trust. Not only do we see that your faith can be invigorated by hearing good news, but your faith can be invigorated by the confirmation that it was a move of God and not just a happen chance. Again, as Christians, we know this. We don't live by luck. We don't live, again, by happen chance. We don't live by just the whims of the wind that go back and forth. We live underneath, as I talked about this morning at another church, underneath the sovereignty of God, the control of God, which is a blessing to the Christian. We know that our God is in control. And because he's in control, again, the song that we always sing, because he lives, what? We can face tomorrow. That song is a picture of what this is going right here. God is the one who is orchestrating our lives. God is the one we can trust in because he's the one who's in control. And so the son was healed at the exact time that the official got word from Jesus. And so what was the official thinking? My son didn't just get better. My son was touched by Christ. And I can trust him. I can't help but remember when I was a senior in high school and I remember I was called into the ministry I knew that God was calling me to be a pastor and I knew I wanted to get training and so I went to a, a Tacoa Falls College preview weekend nervous as everything I was a shell of myself I didn't again I was an introvert bit went by myself was extremely nervous but I remember I went through that process, experienced that, experienced God moving in that place. And as I drove back, I remember my face being filled with tears. And the reason why was because over that weekend I had heard God called me to go to Tacoa Falls College. But one of the things that I knew would be a hurdle was, man, <laughs> how am I financially going to make this happen? And I just began to pray, God, 
if you want me to go here, would you provide this? And I get a call as I'm driving back home. Hey, by the way, Jacob, um, you may not know that we knew that you were going to this, but a group of men have gotten together and we made a few phone calls. We figured out how much you owe. We're, we're, we're going to pay for that. Again, this is, I'm not saying that God always moves this way, but God, again, is worthy of our trust. He's confirming to us, this is what I'm calling you to do. But here's the deal. We've got to be willing to step out. We've got to be willing to take those steps of trust and say, God, whatever journey you have me on, help me to go in that direction. And so many of us, we miss out on these opportunities. Why? Because we've never taken the first step. We don't trust so look for ways to, and to participate in what God is doing. Look for ways to trust him and trust that he will invigorate your faith the more that you step in trust. Last thing is this. We see that there is an integrated faith or an integrated trust. Notice what happens in verses 53 through 54. It says, so he and all his household, the official, and all his household did what? They believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. You see, what happens when we begin to trust, and I love this, this is absolutely beautiful. When we begin to trust in Jesus, Jesus begins to use us as a trust agent to get other people to trust in Jesus. It's natural, it just happens. Notice this, the official naturally integrated his faith by sharing it with people that were closest to him and that he loved the most. He said, I'm going to share that trust that I have in Christ with them. And all of a sudden, they began to trust in Jesus. And you can't help but to believe that even family members beyond that began to trust in Jesus. And there's an heritage of people trusting in Jesus. All because what? Because one man decided to walk on this journey of trust with Jesus. And Jesus blessed him. I think about this, about college athletes that get on scholarship. You, got, you guys have probably seen the videos. At least I've seen them. I watch them. I'm a, I'm a crybaby. I watch these and cry all the time. But there's literally, there's these guys who they're, they've been, you know, they're, on, they're, they're walk-ons. They're, they're going to school. They're, they're paying for their education. They're doing all the extracurricular work. It's just really hard for them. And, and one day after practice, the coach says, hey, by the way, oh, Joey, you're on scholarship. And he begins to go crazy. And all his teammates are running around. They're having a good time. And, and usually this, this particular player ends up calling his mom. Hey, mom and dad, I'm on scholarship. And mom's crying because, hey, we, we're finally, we can pay. For, we can pay for groceries now because we're not paying for you to go to school. Again, he shares this news with, or her, she shares this news with everybody. Why? Because it's, it's amazing. I integrate it with others because it's a joy in my life. And this is what this man does. He begins to share this faith, this trust that he's found in Christ. And he says, you can have this too. You can trust in him. He's worthy of it. Notice this. Why is it that we can integrate others into our lives and celebrate scholarships and marriages and other types of achievements, but we have a hard time integrating Jesus into people's lives? And I think a big part of that is because we don't trust him. Do we trust him that he is actually who he says he is? Do we trust that he's that good? 
Because if we do, we begin to share him with others. You know, maybe some of you, a better question to ask of this room is not how can I learn to trust in Jesus, but for some of you, it may be this. How can I start trusting in Jesus? Some of us have never started that journey. Some of us, we've heard about him. We're, again, intrigued by him. We like to talk about him. But for some reason, we've been held back and we're not willing to take those steps forward. And what I want to encourage you this morning is this, is that during this Christmas season, one of the ways that God has shown us that we can trust him and you guys read it this morning. I believe it was Alex that read it from Luke. That Jesus would, that God would send his son Jesus to take on flesh, to live among a people like you and me, to be able to take on our burdens and take on our shames and take on our, our frustrations and to live among us and then to die our death and to raise again three days later that he demonstrated, what did he demonstrate? That I was willing to go to death and back for you so that you could have salvation. In other words, you could trust me. You could trust me. I don't know anyone else who's done that for you. I don't know anyone else who's done that for me. But I do know of one person in all of creation who has given everything for us. And during this Christmas season, we're reminded of that, that this man, this Jesus, this God-man, the king of all creation, gave up his throne in heaven, came to live among a people like us so that you and I can have life. And the question you have this morning is this. Do I trust that man? Do I trust that man? Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Baptist Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website, harvestbc.church. If you would like to contact us, please email us at contact.harvestbc at gmail.com or you can call us at 706-780-2211. If you are looking for a church home or visiting the North Georgia area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 9.30 in the Fellowship Hall for breakfast and Sunday school, and then at 11 a.m. for our Lord's Day worship service. We hope that you have a great week. God bless.